My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Shack House is presented by Callaway Golf, the number one iron in golf. With a face built to push the industry further and iron performance farther. With industry-leading 360 face cup technology, Callaway is the number one iron in golf. And presenting sponsor of Shack House. Welcome to Shack House, where this week we'll recap the WGC match play, chat about golf's upcoming change in commissionership, take a look at the latest Masters odds, plus take a look at the 1986 Masters. It's the 30th anniversary coming up, and we've got some great questions from Twitter that you all submitted. House, are you there? How you doing? I'm here, and I am excellent. What a weekend of golf last weekend. I was so prepared to be cynical and... Um, underwhelmed by the match play event at the Austin Country Club and it exceeded every possible expectation. You were there, Jeff Shackelford. What'd you think? It was awesome. Yeah, it really was nice. Um, You know, the match play has taken such a beating over the years. It was really bad in Tucson. Kind of a remote course, soulless sort of uh, setting resort thing with uh, not a lot of fans and all that stuff. And they, I mean, they started this event at La Costa, the worst course on the planet for match play. Uh, So, you know, the bar was pretty low. They went to Harding last year and they had a little bit more of the the vibe of, of Harding Park. But I, I kind of sensed that the course would be good, but it ended up being just such a star of the week. And, you know, the, it also just exposed for me how, again, and I, I'm not one to get into the whole youth movement thing, but the, the young players don't complain about match play. They, uh, you know, like there was a cool moment where, where Spieth and Ricky had been eliminated on Saturday, and they were out on the lake where all the boats were kind of watching the golf. They hung around. Um, you know, just another example – 
of, of where the young kids are kind of uh, get it a little bit more. They're not looking to get out of town immediately. You know, just everything kind of came together. And then the golf was just phenomenal. The Final Four was a really solid, interesting group. There were no Americans, but you can't beat that kind of um, quality competition. And, and, again, no complaining about match play, which is just wonderful to me. <laughs> yeah, we're not as, used to that. As a dude who consumed it by, you know, sitting at home and watching on TV – and I mostly watched Saturday and, and Sunday. I didn't get a chance to catch much of the earlier rounds. The whole thing, the spectacle of it, Austin is, you know, we were reminded that Austin's a, one of the great American cities. The way the setting looked, the course itself looked spectacular for, you know, a, a place that had just undergone a renovation and been improved for the purposes of, of um getting themselves up to pro quality for this event. But the setting was cool. The bridge was awesome. The The water was awesome. The boats in yeah. the water were, were awesome. The crowds yeah. were, were awesome. Yeah, and you know how it's the thing, I guess where I get a little touchy uh, being kind of into course design is that people have said for years that the, the venue doesn't matter. It's about the players and the head-to-head and hearing all the talk. And, and, and that's great. But the thing that's cool about match play that people finally got to really see I think with Austin Country Club, is that the course is this third player, this third protagonist in the whole drama. And that's what's really fun. So you have two guys going head-to-head. They're weighing what the other one's doing. But then they're also having to deal with the, with the course. And I just think that's if you love the game and you, you get a chance to kind of hear some of the stuff, and NBC did a great job, as they always do with the sound, you, you did get to hear some of that tension. Um, but that said, out watching some matches – it's even di- it's more different. There's more stuff going on that you pick up that you don't get on TV, but you can't get everything on television. Right. I, I thought the um, broadcast by NBC. I, another you know <laughs> quick on my knees moment. But the the NBC did a spectacular job, uh, especially Sunday. There was a lot of Twitter criticism of Jason Day and the pace of play. I yeah. didn't really have any issue with the pace of play. I felt like. The, the pace was kind of perfect for a Sunday afternoon, um, you know, match play kind of event. And that the, the drama of, you know, um, Jason Day having just reascended into the, the number one spot in the world. And how's he going to fare against Rory? The Rory match, the only thing that's unfortunate is that Rory and, and, and Day were in the same side of the bracket because that match was was excellent from the beginning yeah. all the way through to 18. So if there's any sort of quibble, it's just that, you know, if the, those two guys should have been opposite each other, but you can't have everything. I understand Spieth was on the other side of, of uh, Rory, Correct. and I guess that was the, the hoped-for outcome. Yeah, but to get him to the semis is pretty good. And it was probably the match of the – of the tournament, though I will say I watched on uh, Saturday or excuse me on Friday, uh, Bill Haas and Adam Scott had this phenomenal match. Went to the last hole, and it was, and when I watched it and kind of took it all in afterwards, and Scott was not very happy with himself for for kind of how things went. And by the way, speaking of slow, uh, you think Jason Day's slow? Haas was just I don't know what was going on. He he just set up shop out there, and there was a, a hilarious irony. His uncle Dillard Pruitt was timing him. Um, which was one of the more bizarre things I've ever seen. Uh, uh, Dillard's on the PGA Tour rules staff, and he was the one putting Bill on the clock in the match. And I don't even remember Bill being that slow. But anyway, he was taking his sweet time in this match. But, House, what was cool watching this, you realize, one, how 
well both guys are playing going into the Masters, how into this they were, and what great preparation this was for the Masters. That was sort of my takeaway that, yeah, Scott lost the match. But he was going to leave that feeling like, wow, i just been through a really good, solid, clean, intense match. Neither one of us played that great. But that just made him that much sharper going into Augusta. And so I think that, to me, was really cool to see because that will kind of end that whole that, – whatever potential dialogue there might have been about uh, match play being so close to the Masters as a dangerous uh, thing or, like, I don't know, put, give people bad habits or something. Well, it did seem like the the venue in particular um, acquitted itself kind of perfectly in that respect. The um, shots into the greens, it appeared that with the where they put the holes, there was about a you know two and a half yard landing area for for many of those shorter par fours, and the 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 green speed looked to me like Masters speed. I mean, they, the the yeah. balls were roll roll rolling. Yeah, they were really quick. And the guys were a little touchy. That was the only thing they kind of didn't really like about the course. They felt like the greens were were uh, tough. They were firm, fast. and But mostly they, they, they were commenting on the contour, which I thought was kind of funny because I think they'd been toned down a little bit prior to the uh, the event when they regrassed them a year ago. And by the way, they were a year old. They were I had no idea that the course had just been literally open for just a few months from uh, a regrassing. It was in unbelievable shape. So... They really had nothing to, to gripe about on that front. Um, so it, it was it was a great week. I think it kind of saved the match play event, which has always been in jeopardy. And uh, that's, to me, a, a positive thing because golf needs some different formats. There's just, it's just too much stroke play week to week. Yeah, it, it really did um, remind of how interesting match play can be, especially at that venue with so many risk-reward holes and that intensity that we saw um, from the very best players in the world there leading into um, the Masters uh, event here, you know, with, with the Masters being two weeks out, it seems like it could be a semi-permanent fixture. I know their, their contract is only for another three years with ACC, but um, yeah. it looks to well, me like, you know, I, I, 10-year arrangement or something. It, it, yeah. it looked great. That's an eternity, by the way, in golf. Three years, house. Three uh, years. That's that's a phenomenal yeah. uh, length of time. A lot will happen. So, yeah. Well, really cool week. Now, house. If you were naming people, you'd be most surprised to know uh, we're passionate golfers. Where would your beloved Adam Levine rank? <laughs> uh, you don't have to answer I, that. I I I I don't mind answering it. I would not put him as a golfer. Although, how about this for Adam Levine? I wouldn't um, identify him as a funny dude either. And he was awesome on Saturday Night Live. Did you see that episode? I did not. So that's even more reason, House, to tune into Callaway Live this week because the Maroon Five uh, frontman, and of course he's awesome on The Voice, where I have seen him. Uh, he's on this week's issue, or excuse me, episode with the great Harry Arnett, and uh, he's telling all sorts of golf stories. He's a golf fanatic. He works with Hank Haney. Uh, he's got, he likes to bet house. He's got betting stories. So Ooh, what I, more I could Adam you want, Levine right? I think and I might be capable of being buddies. Yeah, you may be going to iTunes and downloading some Maroon 5. Uh, so check out, right after Adam, <laughs> check him out on Callaway Live. Uh, there's a cameo from Hank Haney, callawaygolf.com slash callawaylive, where you can also watch uh, a couple great re recent uh, episodes last week with Lydia Ko, Morgan Pressel, and then uh, Phil Mickelson was on a few weeks before that. Did an unbelievable uh, SNL-type 
uh, bit, the man has an acting career in his future. A man who does not have an acting career in his future house is Tim Fincham, and uh, he confirmed that he is retiring this week. Um, I'm going to miss him. He is going to hang on for a year, but he, he, does, he, he called in, of course, his classic uh, corporate speak. Uh, this is a, uh, this one-year extension, a placeholder contract. Uh, he's a lawyer, and you know, that's, he's allowed to speak that way. Um, but unfortunately, he takes that publicly. House and uh, so he's going to be replaced by a guy named Jay Monahan, most likely. And uh, as a blogger, I'm going to miss the commissioner because that wonderful, that jargon, that corporate speak uh, just gives me so much material. Um, <laughs> I am not going to miss him as a commissioner. I understand he's done a lot of wonderful things, made a lot of wonder, wonderful cash for for players, and um, he's held certain things together on the tour. The match play, for instance, is a, his baby, and he deserves so much credit for telling the players to stop whining and to embrace match play uh, once a year. Uh, so that said, there's some interesting things going on here behind the scenes for the fan and for the viewer. I'm curious, though, what your 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 view is just kind of a, a sports guy uh, looking and knowing about other commissioners, what you think of, of uh, Tim Fincham? So I, uh, as a um, passionate golf f- fan, but um, – not really somebody that lives the ups and downs, the trials, tribulations, and travails of, of the tour itself. Don't have a strong opinion of Fincham. He always struck me as a dude without a sense of humor, which, um, to your point, as, as a blogger, had to have been a rich source of material. But during his tenure, I have generally liked the things that I've seen happen with the tour and, and on tour. I'm glad that um, the match play has survived. It looks like um, it's found a you know a, a, a semi permanent home. It's impressive to me that the Olympics um, are going to have uh, golf on the menu this year, and and I have to give him some credit for that mm. as well. I've mm. I've liked the venues that the non USGA um, uh, that the PGA um, events have been played at the the PGA Championship. I've liked those venues. So um, to the extent that Fincham gets credit for those kinds of things, I, I haven't had any problem with his stewardship of the game. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, yeah, the Olympic thing is, is a fun one because it was really Ty Vota, the tour, who was kind of the one who's, who spearheaded that. And he works under Fincham, so obviously the big guy gets credit, and I understand that. But Fincham, of course, was opposed to drug testing for years which made it very difficult for golf to be in the Olympics. Uh, and he finally, he finally budged on that. Uh, my biggest issue with him, and, 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 and this is, I feel like I've been pretty consistent on this from the beginning. He's really, he's not a, I don't sense he's a sports fan. Uh, like he, his moment where he just gets a big Woody is it, when the players take off their hat and shake hands on the 18th green to him, that, that imagery is like, that's golf. It's a gentleman's game. And, we project this image of civility, and that's what makes us great. Not something like we saw last weekend where you got to see this really intense competition, these great athletes. He likes that, but he likes this sort of optical uh, illusion stuff a little bit more. And, and, and so that's kind of where I've just struggled with him all along. He was horrible with golf course venues, by the way, early on, uh, very involved with some just dreadful projects and and. And to his credit, in later years, he's worked really hard on steering uh, his staff to find good venues like an Austin Country Club and understand why those are important for the game. But um, but I, I'm curious. So let me tell you about his replacement, this Jay Monahan dude. He, uh, yeah, he used to work hear. for Fenway Sports. And so he's a 
Jay is a really nice man. I mean, really, really impressive when you meet him. And uh, funny and interesting, but he's a sports nut. And he's from that kind of, you know, Fenway, Boston. Uh, those guys really are pretty creative with, with the business side of, of sports. And I feel like he has the potential, and I'll be curious if you would agree with this, because I don't follow the NBA closely enough to say, but I feel like he'll be golf's Adam Silver or, for baseball fans, uh, our, our Rob Manfred, that that person who kind of brings the stuff from the old, um, you know, slightly goofy former commissioner uh, and brings kind of a, a more sane approach to certain things, but then also a little bit of a progressiveness. I, 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 am I correct that Silver, that is sort of how he's viewed, or is he kind of stalled, uh, you know, after a great start? Is that is that a decent analogy? Yeah, I, I don't think anybody thinks that um, Silver has stalled. He was confronted with a handful of uh, kind of existential issues uh, in the first six months of his stewardship of the of the NBA. I mean, that the Donald Sterling thing is as bad of a situation you can confront as a as a brand yeah. new commissioner um, for for you know for for any league with any any kind of um, uh, you know b- business uh, issue like that. So. Uh, and he handled it by everybody, you know, there's unanimity that he handled that brilliantly. Um, I hope that uh, Monaghan doesn't confront anything like that early in his tenure. The one place where I think that there is an analogy to be drawn is the globalization of the sports. Um, I know that Silver is committed to um, getting the NBA, and the NBA, to its credit, you know, Adam was behind the scenes um, for many years behind uh, Stern, supporting Stern, but the NBA has been really dedicated to getting over to Asia, to creating a market for the NBA in China, um, mm. to getting over to, to Europe, and really open the door for European players to come over, you know, back in the 90s. You know, Dirk, Dirk Nowinski came over um, and was drafted into the NBA in, in, in the 90s. Um, I think that, that golf has an opportunity to um, capitalize on the same kind of globalization. I, I personally really liked Rafa Cabrera Bello playing yeah. on a Sunday evening in front of a U.S. audience on a, on a, you know, on a course in, in, in Texas. That's good for the game. It's good for the U.S. audience to see the quality of player. I think the WGC events um, have the right I- idea. They just are, are, have been kind of um, awkward in terms of placement on the schedule and, <laughs> and um, game plan. But um, yeah. to the extent that that globalization can be furthered by Jay, I think, and, and obviously Fenway gets that, right? Fenway is a, is a, has an investment in um, one of those uh, mo- most, one of the most prominent um, soccer teams in the world, yeah. right? It's interesting you bring that up because that will be his next task as a commissioner and and if Fincham keeps dropping that he has two more projects to finish before he leaves and we don't really know what those are I assume one of those is re-signing FedEx uh, I think that's almost guaranteed to be one of them the other one people keep saying is this world tour world tour and I don't I don't quite understand that because we're we're sort of at a weird spot in golf where we have the European tour that's all over the world then you have the world golf championships like we just had it in Austin and they're never played outside of the United States so the idea that they're called world is sort of laughable but it does bring these people from around the world you get this great international field they put the international flags up and people get to see somebody they don't know and 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 I think that's always kind of uh, scary at first and they realize wow it was really cool to see 
uh, uh, Rafa and, you know, uh, a few other players. Uh, but that's going to be his challenge is does the PGA Tour want to go international The ske- because the schedule's so long. And Jay Monahan knows sports, and I know he knows that the golf season is too long and that they really need to stop and get out of the way when football comes along. And I don't know if Tim Fincham agrees with that, again, because I don't know if he's quite the sports fan that Jay is. And so I think that – my sense is that's where he's going to have a really hard time because they're going to have – they have international companies, HSBC, and all these great companies want to spend a lot of money. But they also just are wearing these guys out. And, you know, tennis ran into this a long time ago, and it's it's going to be the challenge for him to, to kind of – we at are the world, but not completely uh, burn out all the players. Yeah, right. And and we have you and I have talked about it. Um, now we we uh, have yeah, here in episode two. It. Yes, yes, exactly <laughs> uh, about Spieth. And you know, it was excellent for him to go to Australia in November and defend his um, victory in the Australian Open. And it was terrific for him to be in Hawaii and then really good for exporting the game to Asia for him to go over to Malaysia. But, you know, I feel like since the win in Hawaii, we haven't seen performance-wise out of him. And and this was the observation we made last week, the, the same kind of relentless technical skill that he showed through the latter half of, of last year, well, really starting in April, latter, not even latter half, um, from April all the way through the PGA. Um, and to your point, that, that dude, is he, is he 22 yet? Yep, he turns 23 yeah. here soon. Yeah. So he, he, that's a 22-year-old who's showing the wear and tear of, yep. a, of a global schedule. And so I think you're, you're absolutely right finding that that balance it does seem like there should be an off season that kind of runs from like middle of november early november through the new year and then things get started up again in hawaii but you know that's the time in which a lot of these world events take place right i mean that that's when uh dubai kind of falls in that time frame and um some of there's a china event somewhere in there also right Yep, the WGC, uh, and and they would still play those, but it's just more of I think getting that tour championship earlier and out of the way of of football because it's just it's just not working. The ratings are just they're dismal, and um, there's just people are done. They want to, and the other thing, two houses. You know, it's fine if guys go and play around the world, and we get to watch golf from Australia late at night on the Golf Channel, whatever for the the hardcore fan. But for the casual fan, it needs to go away. The sport doesn't ever go away. And so it's just like, oh, gosh, what event is it now? What's going on? And even if it's just a month and you give people that sort of refreshment period and kind of miss it, I think it, it'll, it'll be huge. And for the tour to, you know, to do that would be phenomenal. So uh, we'll, we'll see what he, he's got a lot to, to, uh, to, to juggle there. And I think he can at least point to Spieth if this kind of continues with Spieth. Uh, and we'll get to him and talking about the uh, Masters odds in a moment because I, I do want to talk about what I saw with Spieth in person just to see if that tantalizes you to uh, want to place a wager on him. But, uh, or to maybe put him on your fantasy team uh, come Masters time. Uh, there's always that uh, possibility because fantasy golf contests begin, House, when tournaments tee off. So get DraftKings.com and choose your golfers now. Use promo code HOUSE. Do you think you can remember this one? House. Go ahead. Let me hear it. House. That's it. In all house? caps. That's house. The promo that's promo code? Use promo code that sounds House. Sounds like a mistake. Play 
for free. No, 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 no. That's promo code house <laughs> to play for free now. Only at DraftKings.com. Play for free. Uh, thank you very much, DraftKings, for coming on board this week. And we also have another great That's- sponsor, House. One more. Yeah, uh, don't yeah. get, don't, yeah. SeatGeek, our good friends at SeatGeek. I don't know if you've been looking at Masters Tickets House, but uh, have you ever been a little bit frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Because most sites make it a little too complicated. They sneak in the huge fees at checkout. That's why you need SeatGeek. They've made it easier and more straightforward than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Have you got the yeah. app on your phone, House? I do have it on my phone. I love SeatGeek for baseball tickets. Yeah. You can yeah, get that's... sneaky good baseball tickets. You can go see the, the, the Washington Nationals here on kind of a random Thursday uh, and get sneaky great tickets by way of SeatGeek that way. Nice. Yeah, that's why I downloaded it for uh, for the Dodgers season while I still have hope, uh, which will probably end in about three weeks. Uh, well, But I also used it the other day to look at tickets for the Masters. <laughs> and right now, House, they're, they're, they're not cheap. Uh, but you can get a practice round ticket for something, and those are good days to go. They, the players actually show up for these practice rounds, unlike uh, other tour events. Sure, uh, sure. Sunday Tell badge. Me, just, just, mm. just tease me. What's Thursday look like right now? Ooh, Thursday was uh, that was in the uh, eight to nine hundred dollar range. You oh, were still about twelve thousand. Yeah, yeah, about twelve hundred for the final round. About seven fifty according to SeatGeek uh, for Monday and Tuesday. So, you know, uh, good news though, House is our listeners get a twenty dollar rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Uh, so just download the get the app, uh, SeatGeek. That's one word. S-C-A-T-G-E-E-K. Uh, go to the setting tabs, uh, click add promo code, enter promo code. Hey, wait, House, you ready for this one? Let me, house. Let me hear it. House, that's the promo code for SeatGeek, too. Uh, and they'll send you $20 after you purchase your first ticket. So go for it. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code house today. I almost got that out completely. All right, so the Masters. The odds, the ones, if you're going to go and use your, your app and get a last-minute ticket, who are you bullish on now, House? Who do you like? I, I still like the two South Africans. I thought um, Oosthuizen, now the, 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 the problem is I liked him <laughs> a lot better. I thought we talked about him yeah, at around, in him. the 30s last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Like 30 to 1, and I see him He's now down at 25 up. to 1. Yep, 25. Not yeah, very I, enticing. I, I, Especially and I when still he, like he travels, as by well. the way, hey, hey, he travels with an air mattress for his back, which is a little frightening. Um, but well, yeah, no, needs, Schwartzel does he just need to back better. to work for four rounds. He's inching back up. Schwartzel's pushing a few places here. I'm looking at it the, in the 40 to one range, which is a little better. It's not the 65 you were hoping for. Yeah, um, I, I saw 65 a few weeks ago. That was, I missed that one. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, I. I watched a little of Justin Rose's house, and I think last week I mentioned that I was really bullish on him at 25-1. to 1. Not so bullish. Uh, the ball striking looks really good, but he just flat out came out and said his short game stinks right now. And that's just not a very comforting thing when one of the best players in the world tells you he's just not getting up and down. Um, he did finish second last year, but that's not encouraging. Anyway, and he always plays well at the Masters. He's always he good. You know, for for an early um, first round, good good performance. But right, I'm not going to be putting any money on a dude who's um, telling the world that his short game isn't very good. What uh, did you? Go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear what you're going to say. I'm just what did mention, you see in Jordan Spieth? Well, I I thought he looked great. Um, his body language was really good. His swing was tight. 
uh, you know, just looked together. His routine looked good. He looked comfortable. He was playing uh, Dubuisson, and it was just embarrassing. It was like watching. You thought, oh my lord, if these these two meet in the in the uh, in the Ryder Cup, this there's just not even a match here. Uh, they were just two totally different players, attitude wise. Dubuisson was banging his uh, sand wedge on the cart path after after one hole. His strategy on the holes was awful. And Spieth was playing this kind of uh, semi-aggressive game, and it was it was beautiful to watch. So then I, I come home Friday night. I turn on the, the golf Saturday, and, and, he, and he looks awful. He's just off again. And I think the concern is that he's just not holding those bad days together like he did last year. And that's a problem yep, because he, was, he, he he was unbelievable last year on the bad days. Yeah, that that was that that was exactly the thing. He survived so many rounds where he would come in and say, "I didn't have it today, but I, I still scratched out, you know, one over, even par." And this this year, it's it's five over. It's it's six over is what we're seeing. Now, I heard you on uh, on on the Bill Simmons podcast uh, recorded on Monday. Bill mentioned Phil at uh, Love and Phil at fifteen to one. You just you just shot him down fast. Uh, well, that, <laughs> why was that? That's a, <laughs> it's a ridiculous number. I mean, I, I I think you know there's there's no value whatsoever in taking these are all you know what amount to future bets, and there's no value whatsoever in taking any futures bet that that's less than twenty to one. Yeah, because the, the 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 basic probability and the and the you know the strength of, of field make it a, a a bad proposition to mess with anything less than and even twenty to one is 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 not very good odds um, where you're trying to pick one guy to win the event. Now I am kind of interested in seeing what Phil does this week in Houston yeah. because to Houston's credit, right? They they have. Um, attempted to replicate some playing conditions, and we uh, covered this a bit last week. But what a field this week in, in Houston. We have Jordan, we have Ricky, we have DJ, we have Patrick, we have Henrik. Uh, Phil is there, Jimmy Walker, my man Schwartzel, Brendan Steele, JB Holmes. That is a, that's a good field. Yeah, it is. And I, it's a credit to them for kind of doing this setup the way they do it. And I think this is for a lot of the guys who just don't like to get to Augusta early and think too much. Uh, here's the thing to watch with Phil at uh, at 20 to one right now. His swing house looked absolutely as good as I've ever seen it look at the match play. It's he's tightened it up, and it's just it's just all uh, it's just tighter. It's just it's more together. It's not as long. He has this one little problem though. And, he, and I saw it at Torrey Pines. I watched him uh, almost four putt, one green, back-to-back three putts, and he did it again at Austin. He hits these four- and five-footers uh, like a 20-footer, and he'll hit them five, six feet by. He just tries to power it through everything. And you can't do that at Augusta, I, I don't think. It's, it's, it's too stressful uh, dealing with the comebackers, and it's just weird. I don't, I don't get it. A lot of the guys like to power their putts kind of through lines now, but he, like, he's a touch guy. I don't, I, I don't get it. And I agree so with I'd you watch that for that is, this week. Yeah. It, so it is weird, and it's not uh, – if, if there's anybody, though, that you would think um, would be able to um, kind of self-correct at Augusta, it, it, it's Phil. So I'm not – correct. That that put off by this phenomenon. I've watched the same thing as you. He his ball striking looks awesome, 
And I love what he's been doing, tinkering between two drivers and his three wood. He has been crushing three wood off the tee this year. Um, so the, the 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 issue will not be tee to green. All of his um, you know tr- trouble begin on the begin begins on the green. And and I've seen the same thing as you. These these uh, four footers that become six footers when he misses. But I I don't think that's going to be as big an issue at Augusta because because that's not you know um, that's not how he uh, navigates around there he, he, he does not seem to to have the same kind of whatever it is that whether it's it's got to be mental right he doesn't yeah. seem to have that same kind of mental block at Augusta no no you're right he, he'll kind of dial it in there and maybe it's he knows where he's staying and he he kind of has that veteran presence now like like Nicholas had and uh, later in his years, or a lot of the veterans, where they, they kind of know how to just hang around. Last year was obviously it, it got out of hand with the amount of birdies that were made, but he still hung around, and he knows how to do that there, and I think that isn't really the way he plays week to week, knowing that he can just be Phil and uh, kind of chip away at the course and then just be there for a run on Sunday. And you're right, I, that's a different Phil than you get uh, at Houston, for instance, this week, where he has won. But there is something about the local knowledge aspect to Augusta, whatever it is, the food, the, the just kind of the routine of it, that uh, does make me very bullish on him contending. Uh, I, I just uh, I don't feel great about speed. So I've, I've kind of whittled it down. Obviously, Day, Scott, and Bubba are, are in a different league. Rory's almost there, I think. And then there's like a second tier that fills in that any of those guys can win. Uh, I, let me let me throw these at you: Spieth, Mickelson, Louis, Charles, Ricky, DJ, Dustin Johnson, and Schwartzel. I feel like I, I feel like the winner is going to come from one of those. Uh, oh, let's see, what is that? That's uh, ten players. Yeah, I I, I honestly think uh, if I uh, you know was something at gunpoint, my pick for Masters winner. And maybe I'll change my mind over the course of this week. But my my pick for Masters winner is Rory. I think oh. he's he's in a, in an incredible oh, spot right now. I I thought he was great all week in the uh, match play. Him losing today that was uh you know all credit today for for um you know grabbing that match. I thought Ricky uh, <laughs> Rory looked tremendous. Rory also has kind of this mental thing going on putting-wise. But um, he made a lot of putts um, over the course of from Wednesday to Sunday. And he's my horse right now. I I, I like to reserve the right to change my mind, but Rory's my guy for for the 2016 Masters. Okay. Well, he's 7-1. to He's yours right now. He he did express. I'm not touching that. I I wouldn't dare bet that. Yeah. That's a ridiculous uh, number, but I, I, I like him. That's for the children you know. listening at home. I appreciate that. That's nice. <laughs> he uh, he did express a lot of confidence in the in the new stroke, and because it, it didn't look that great to me, we we uh, hit on that last week, and I, I I didn't think it looked that great, but it looked better at Austin, and then his comments uh, suggested he a feels great about the the new stroke, the left hand low deal, and then b he he re- I asked him about the golf course in one of his press conferences and and i thought he would have liked it more and he just he just he gave the nicest answer he could give but it was all the coded language he actually really didn't like the place he's kind of got a love-hate thing with pete Dye, and he mentioned that so to reach the semifinals there uh i just think that was a very kind of in a way kind of his breakthrough week 
for the year, really. And um, if the punting Well, keeps... that's what I've been waiting for, and that's why uh, I picked him. I felt like he's been hitting the ball pretty damn well. Oh, yeah. Um, He's just had the one the one round, and then you know even at Riviera it was like half a round. You know he yeah. was he's been hovering right there on Sundays and then falling apart for whatever reason. Um, he's a guy that can put it all together so quickly, and and he's such a confidence guy. If he starts feeling good about himself and blasts the ball all over the place uh, in, in Augusta in terms of you know hitting uh, three hundred and fifty yard drives, um, he, he's going to be tough, I think. Yeah, and it really is a bomber's golf course. I just don't see how, and that's where Stenson worries me. That you know, even if he has a great week in Houston, I, I'm just worried that that uh, does he have the confidence in the driver? Because we know he hits the three wood better than most people on the tour hit their driver. So maybe that's enough. But at Bay Hill, he, there were a couple times where he needed that little extra bit of gas, and he didn't quite have it. And I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch because he's kind of due to have a big week there. Are you talking but about Phil? Henrik. Henrik Stenson. Oh, Henrik. Sorry, I, yeah, I just you threw said out Stenson. Him. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's kind of the one guy I think that's a, a fun one to watch. Um, yeah. You know, everybody's all excited about Danny Willett. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. The, the wife having a baby and the whole thing. He is going to play, and he's 65-1. to 1. But I, I just I, – I feel like it's setting up for – one of those great finishes where are these names we kind of expect and then there'll be one or two we didn't expect to be in contention uh, but the golf course has changed since 1986 where it really is just not there's not a place for an old man to unless you consider phil old uh, to make a run but phil's such a so much a younger 45 than jack nicholas at 46 and 86 and uh, and by the way house that was my subtle way to segue to uh, a topic like, that was. I like the segue. I yeah. also agree with the point. I mean, when you think about the combination of um, the equipment and 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 the physical specimen that Phil is now, it's it's. I, I'm sure um, that will get a few chuckles. He's not exactly you know in kind of Tiger um, 2000 shape. He's not showing off muscles, but his flexibility has not diminished one bit. It no. still looks like no. the dude can take you know the golf club. Um, and and touch his left hip on on his on his he takeaway, can. you know, at the top, and then and then bring it right back to square and pound it three hundred and thirty right down the middle. So um, I, I, I that is an interesting observation about you know the difference between being in your mid forties now versus eighty six. But let's talk about nineteen eighty six. It's the thirtieth year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, Pete Schumacher recommended we give this a little bit of a, a hit because there's going to be a lot with the thirtieth anniversary coming up. Some documentaries and. A lot of talk. Jack Nichols will be called on, and uh, there's going to be a "Where Were You" story. Uh, did you uh, Did you watch the '86 Masters House? I did. So I was uh, 16 years old for that Masters, and I it was a Sunday afternoon. I didn't watch um, any of the Saturday uh, round, but that Sunday afternoon, for whatever reason, I can remember the day. It was a nice day, and I'm sitting on my couch and. Uh, I have two brothers and a sister. My whole family, for some reason, was out that day. So I was Ooh. home alone on my couch, and I kept looking oh. outside, and it was nice. But I got sucked in uh, by Jack. 
and I, I could not get up off the couch. I, I was captivated by Jack, and that really sowed the seeds for me. That, that was the golf bug for me. I, I, that, that summer, I bought my first set of golf clubs with money I made from lifeguarding and played this little track here in Washington, D.C. Um, with a couple of my other lifeguard buddies, uh, the Rock Creek um, Golf Course, located right in the city in Rock Creek Park. And um, that was really the start of it, that, that Sunday afternoon watching Jack at age 46. Um, now, I know you have a story. Yeah, well, people, some people might need to leave the room uh, if they get upset by kind of horror stories. But it all worked out okay. Uh, before I tell mine, though, how, so you were, you were not a golfer. At that time, no, you were just no, a fan. I, I, you were just watching I grew the up playing um, basketball and uh, a little bit of baseball. Okay, so that and that broadcast. Uh, now, so you didn't uh, you didn't record it or anything like you saw it live, and then you've maybe seen some highlight shows and all that since, right? That's exactly right. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I was at the 1986 Masters, and uh, my dad was uh, working for a golf company, and uh, he brought me along graciously i was uh, 15 years old and we we had tickets all week so you first of all i walk out and the place is different now the grass is not cut as tight as it used to be which i know shocks people so the first thing i saw was like uh, everything looked like a green everything was cut so tight now they let the grass go a little longer and they mow it towards the tee and it's that's another story for another time so my first impression of course of augusta was just like everybody else's just blown away by this emerald unbelievably manicured place we do the par three contest uh then we have saturday nick price breaks the course record and we sat on the 13th house on saturday we got there early parked in the grandstand now i had at the time a sony watchman television and this is uh this is something that they would arrest you now for trying to bring onto the property and yeah no no chance you can't bring a phone on there so i had my little watchman and we're watching Nick Price slip out on 18 for 63. And that was a great day. Uh, little problem. So uh, my dad decided that it was very important for me to be back at school on Sunday. So, excuse me, on Monday. So Sunday we watch players warm up. Uh, we watch some morning golf. I see Jack Nicklaus in the yellow shirt and plaid pants. And I, I remember at the time already at 15, I had, I had noted that was a good outfit for the green jacket. It's very important that players wear something that looks good with a green jacket on Sunday. So we watch up to a point where we watch Greg Norman play into the seventh hole. And because I was perhaps going to a a private school, I don't know, Dad decided, and he's listening to this, and and he knows we've we've been through this. It's it's a family moment that we've discussed and worked through. Um, We left. And so we are driving to Atlanta as the final round, the back nine, when the master starts, as Dan Jenkins has put it, uh, gets going. Now, at the time, there's no serious radio. There's really no sports radio. And between Atlanta and Augusta, there's really no radio. You literally, it was like uh, this, this dark period where you don't have anything. So to just make it a, a little bit of a cinematic story, we're driving and I'm constantly checking the television, trying to get the telecast with my little watchman and a little antenna straight up. It's black and white. And as we're getting near Augusta, I start to get a picture. And I'm kind of shaking it, moving it, trying to get the antenna right. And I look, and my dad's driving, and I said, uh, oh, they're, they're in Butler Cabin. Oh, great. Um, they're, 
well, Jack Nicholas is there. And my dad, I remember, said something like, oh, well, then maybe they just had him in to, you know, congratulate the winner. And I went, uh, no, they're putting the green jacket on him. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting in the car, and, I, and we just, we were just, wait, no. When we left, that man was not, he was not going to win the Masters. It was going to be Seve or Greg Norman. It wasn't going to be Jack Nicklaus. And um, so he never really lived that one down, obviously. But the great news is, when I got home, my mom had recorded the final round. And I still have oh, the videotape wow. today. And I have watched that final round uh, so many times. And I'm so grateful that, that she that did that. That had to have been on a, on a Betamax. That couldn't even been the VHS, VHS back no, then. No, it was VHS. It was VHS. VHS. All right. And what people, people don't realize, unfortunately, and we'll see all this anniversary stuff, that broadcast is arguably the greatest broadcast in all of sports history. Everything went perfectly that day for CBS. Every announcer call was dreamy. And you'll see the calls and these, these highlight packages. But it's not the same. I, I so desperately want them to run the full broadcast because there are just moments in it where, and I don't even know if, like I interviewed Tom Weisskopf recently, and he didn't even really remember the moment when Jack is on 16. And he's about to hit the shot, and he backs off, and, and, and Jim Nance, who's working his first Masters on 16, says, so, you know, Tom, what do you, what do you, uh, what do, you do in this moment if you're, you're Jack Nicklaus? And Weisskopf has this great answer of, uh, well, if I'd known, I would have won one of these. And, and they all kind of chuckle. And then, but then Weisskopf, in this amazing moment, recovers and says, uh, you know, uh, no, no, all seri- in all seriousness, uh, you know, he's got to, whatever, pick his target. He goes through all this stuff, and he goes, and then, Jack, this is your destiny. And then Nicholas pulls the trigger, immediately hits the shot, looks at Jackie because he's blind as a bat, which he denies, but he, he couldn't see the ball. And he knew it, though. He knew he'd hit a perfect shot, hits it, almost makes hole-in-one. The place goes nuts. And there were moments like that through the entire broadcast where everything they did was just right. And um, so for people who watch that and who've had the chance to, to – and I know a lot of people who had a tape of that day. And I've had, I know a lot of people who, who wanted copies of – I've since put it on DVD uh, because it was just it – ju- it was like a – it was cinematic. It really was cinematic. Um, well, you you know some people at the Golf Channel. Um, maybe you could put in a word for. Uh, this is of. a this is a an Augusta National issue. They they oh, are the ones I who see. have to free up the table. Maybe that's what that'll be my question for uh, Chairman Payne in the uh, in the press conference this year. I'm sure he'll love it. Uh, so House, <laughs> it's time for uh, the speed round. We've gotten a whole bunch of cool stuff from Twitter, and the speed round's brought to our friends and our show sponsor Callaway Golf, who have created and unveiled. And put in your hands the new XR driver, where fast meets forgiveness. You know, Boeing helped make this driver the fastest on the market, which is why it's up to us to make this speed round quick, which you know has no chance of happening. Uh, so, not, a, not a lick. Thanks to our friends at Callaway. We are going to take some questions from Twitter. Now, you made the command decision. We're going to put off the, the Masters ones, which were phenomenal, till next week. Um, so I want to ask you this first one. This was kind of a cool one, and I told the guy on Twitter that we would we would save this for a big-time topic, but I think it kind of fits with the whole Jay Monahan, Tim Fincham discussion we've had. This is from Matt Craig. He's a 20-year-old uh, guy. looks like he's in sports journalism, I think, uh, based on his profile, and he uh, – 
He wants to know how golf can work to appeal to the under-25 audience. Tate's people, if you will, our producer here. Uh, he's a 20-year-old super fan, but he knows nobody else that really is watching golf. What do you think, House? Great question, right? Because that is the other thing for Mr. Monahan to tackle, how to continue to expand the appeal of the game, restore the, the appeal of the game to um, a demo that, that, that may have lost touch with it so one thing that, that um, Monahan has going for him is a whole bunch of players that fit this demo that are providing a natural narrative that's attractive. One thing I enjoyed very much about Jordan Spieth's run last year was after he won the U.S. Open, the run-up to um, the Open Championship, the British Open, it was a, a sort of national story that Jordan had won the first two majors, and this third major was looming, and he was in contention on Monday because they had to finish on a Monday. I went to a bar to watch on, on a Monday afternoon at lunchtime here in D.C. The bar was full of people who were like-minded there to watch the end of the Open Championship wow, uh, and to see if Jordan could um, pull it off. And this was a like a regular place. It wasn't a sports bar. It wasn't a golf-themed bar. Hmm. So in that respect, the game is well-positioned. I think um, some of the, the, the ways to catch the attention of a younger demo, and maybe um, Tate will sit in the background uh, laughing loudly at this, it's stuff like... Top Golf, which is you know this this um, um, to to me because I'm I'm officially middle aged now um, glorified fancified driving range you know driving range with beer yeah. but it you know the scoring system the ability to compete with your your friends maybe have one of the tour stars pop in at one of these yeah. joints you know well, have a Ricky show up at a Top Golf oh, and maybe trying. this is already happening and if if so I'll shut up uh, they're trying to do a lot of things like that I, I think it's this is, you've just shown why this is a great topic that Matt Craig uh, submitted and I I think we want to save it again for a slow slow week cuz there are some cool things to touch on what you just mentioned my only comment would be love what they're doing don't try too hard. I, and that's my always my concern. I, I mock this stuff on my website. Some, a lot of the millennial um, love fest by the tourists, it, it's so desperate. Um, just be yourself. You have cool young players. They resonate. Don't try too hard. Just keep letting them be who they are and do some of the stuff. But, but I feel like that desperation can be off-putting. So uh, second question, and I'm going to take this one first because uh, this is an easy one for me. Austin Evans wants to know what we think the WGC events will look like 20 years from now. And my, my view is I think they're going to be looked down on in a sense that they are kind of uh, thin fields. Not, they're great players, don't get me wrong, but they're not full field events. And, you, you know, Tiger's record, I think in a way is, I'm not going to say it's tainted by his, all of his wins in them, but it does kind of make you wonder, like, wow, I wonder if a few of those events were full fields if he might not have won quite that many. And so – the other thing, of course, is that they weren't very worldly and international, and I think 20 years from now that's, that's, that will have changed, and they'll look back at the beginning like, wow, what took so long to take this around the world? Is that, is that your, uh, your sense of the WGC? So that, that's exactly my view. Uh, I think we're going to look back and say, oh, th those events were the precursor to this truly world tour that we have now, that we enjoy now, because with somebody smart like um, Jay Monahan, we'll have figured out you know, how to make a, a truly world tour 
you know, um, work and, and it'll work in a way that, that um, induces the best players in the world to go to the, the various venues and, and play the game all over the world. Um, so I, I think these WGC events, um, we'll, we'll look back and say, you know, they had the right idea. There was just kind of an execution um, problem with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but it led us to this great place. It's, it's, the, it's the baby steps. All right, Adam Tilsner wants to know, House, one thing that can be done to improve golf broadcasts. What do you nominate? More effing golf. <laughs> so this this is the thing between CBS and, and NBC. We've been on this blessed run with NBC where NBC is showing golf swings. They're showing the players play the game. And to their credit, I love Pro Tracer. I can't get enough Pro Tracer. In yeah. my middle age, I have to wear glasses now. I can't really pick up the ball every single time without Pro Tracer. I'm a I'm a fiend for Pro Tracer. I I think uh, if they had set up the Pro Tracer on 14, so we could have watched the guys bashing the ball off that grandstand. Um, you know, um, you know that that short par four. 13, yeah. That was oh 13. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I don't been, think that grandstand will be there next year. By the way. <laughs> Oh no! I loved it. There was it was a backstop. It would look a little bit gimmicky. It's like you know, it kind of appeals to the to the putt putt, yeah. um, you know, element in me. But um, I, I think the 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 most important thing to improve the golf broadcast is to More show shots. the players playing golf. Yeah, and that's what you see when you see that '86 Masters in its entirety. Frank Trichinian, that was his thing: just show shots left and right, and not just. Don't focus on putts. They show so much putting. And that broadcast is unbelievable. It's just boom, boom, boom. Now it helps that there are like 10 guys in contention. They're all uh, superstars and all that. But it's all about shots. And now they get very into storytelling, CBS more than than NBC. My one thing, uh, it's tough for me to will it down, but I, I really want more drone footage of golf courses. I want more flyovers to give a sense of scale a sense of the property. Austin Country Club so desperately needed a drone to kind of give you a sense of the changes in elevation and the coolness of some of the contours that you just don't get with a blimp or normal camera shots. But I also have a long list of other things I'd like to add to improve golf broadcasts. Yeah, it's true. With Austin, they did, did um, animated versions of the flyover. Yeah, it's just which aren't were, the same. helpful, but you're, you're absolutely right. The technology exists for, for um, you know, to, to get a live um, view of, of the terrain and the elevation. Let's, oh, let's I don't even care. I don't even have to have live house. I just, I just want them on tape. I'll take anything. Um, <laughs> all right, last one. Uh, ben Heitnen uh, wants to know if you can play the U.S. Open Open Championship and PGA at the same venue every year, which one would you pick for each major? He was obviously inspired by Augusta National hosting the Masters every year. Uh, I'm going to nominate for the U.S. Open. I believe it should be uh, – if I if they had to set up shop at one place, it would be Pebble Beach. The Open Championships, obviously the easy ones, St. Andrews. The PGA is kind of the tough one because uh, they they don't – they're all over the map with, with different venues and locales and regions. I would love to see them uh, have made Torrey Pines their uh, every-year venue because of the weather, not the golf architecture. But that's not going to happen because Torrey Pines is now a U.S. Open venue. So – not, I can't. I can't vote for Whistling Straits. I can't vote for Valhalla. I, I really don't know where the PGA should go every year. Uh, not congressional. Sorry, House. No, 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 no offense taken. Um, I'm going to cheat in my answer to this one. So I think the U.S. Open um, has to rotate between Pebble and Oakmont. 
I think it's okay. it's crucial to have um, the open on the West Coast as often as possible because it lets us East Coasters enjoy the open in, in kind of prime time and watching it on into the evening. Uh, I will, for, the, for all of my life, remember watching tiger at tory at like 9 30 at night you know chip in yeah. on whatever that was on yeah. that saturday night uh the group of friends i was with and and uh how much fun that was so i i'm gonna um uh advocate for rotating between pebble and oakmont for the u.s open i love what oakmont does to the players it's, it's just the most diabolical yeah um uh, and we get it this year and, and yes the um, Open the, Championship. Yeah, that's obviously St. Andrews. The, yeah, it's an easy there, one. There's no other answer. My answer on the PGA, I would like it to be at Bethpage. I like that the idea of a venue that um, the regular uh, dude can play um, being featured as the site for uh, a major. And I also like Bethpage's um, location in New York. I think the the, the crowds... Um, that that you that we've seen at the U.S. Opens competed at Bethpage have been great crowds um, and and um, have really enhanced the uh, experience of it. I think if if the PGA has to be at a single venue, my vote would be for Bethpage. Okay, well you're going to get your wish in uh, 2019, and then the 2024 Ryder Cup is there as well. I hope the greens survive. That's the only problem with Bethpage. August is a little bit tough for growing grass. Uh, Right, not 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 a great time of year for for that. That and I I just I wish they could have found a, a West Coast venue. Uh, they, they better than Harding Park. That's where they're going. Not great, but um, that's why I would have loved Tory for the PGA. It's just by the ocean. It's August. It's beautiful. The fog's kind of coming in and out. Anyway, hey House, tell us about our new sponsor, DraftKings. Yes, yeah, Jack. Golf's first major is right around the corner. You can play one week fantasy golf for free at DraftKings.com. Whether you are a master of golf or just ready to try a new fantasy sport, you can play one week fantasy golf for free at DraftKings.com. Fantasy golf contests begin when tournaments tee off. So get to DraftKings.com, choose your golfers, use promo code H-O-U-S-E, that's house, and play for free. That's promo code house to play for free now. Only at DraftKings.com, DraftKings.com, play for free. All right, House, and I want to tell you about our other sponsor, our presenting sponsor, our great friends at Callaway Golf, because they've got a question, House, for you. They want to know if you want to be the first to test their new products. I sure do. Yes, I do. I would love to test products. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a feeling you were one of those people. Well, head on over to CallawayGolf.com. Actually, you have. CallawayGolf.com slash community. Sign up for their Callaway community. Did you do it? Right? I did it. I'm, I'm nice. a moderator. I can, Beautiful. I can field questions and give answers. All right. Well, you can learn about new products, chat with your fellow equipment junkies, and house. There's even a thread going up about this podcast where you and I might uh, just kind of like uh, dig in and answer a few questions or take questions for this show. Let's do it. Beautiful. CallawayGolf.com slash community. Sign up now. And uh, House, thanks to everyone who signed up last week on iTunes, making this the number one podcast in America. How about that? That's incredible. I think it had everything to do with me being out of the country. Yeah, and maybe that Bill Simmons guy tweeting a few links. I don't know. Just a thought. But anyway, make sure to check out all of the Ringers Channel 33 podcasts. They're awesome, including uh, most recently Annie Greenwald and Chris Ryan, The Watch, one of my favorite shows. And, of course, in anticipation of the Final Four weekend, Tate Frazier, our producer here, and Mallory Rubin's The Pivot Podcast. 
talks all about the uh, the big weekend. Can't wait for that. And, of course, the Bill Simmons podcast with uh, some stellar, stellar recent episodes, uh, including David Duchovny, a great chat with Mike Tolan, who I hear is a big golfer, uh, Jim Lampley, and, of course, you, Joe House. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right, everybody, that's all we have. We'll talk to you next week from Augusta National, or at least I will, and House will be kind of salivating from far away. And I'll be teasing him about the Georgia peach ice cream sandwich. Right, House? Ah! Yeah, I know. Hey, thanks, everybody. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.